Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, called The Baptism of the King. That same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus, it wasn't his first experience with the Holy Spirit. We know it was the Holy Spirit who would overshadow Mary and the child would be the product of the power of God, namely the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit's power prior to his baptism, no doubt. When he's 12, he's going back and forth with the religious leadership and he has great wisdom. This isn't his first experience with the Holy Spirit. So what is happening here? Well, he's being identified by heaven. And heaven is saying, this is the one. It is the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and the Herald, John, all bearing witness in, in, in history past that the Messiah is God the Son. Amen. Emphatically. It can't get any more radical with the heavens open and the voice of the Father. That only happens like three times in the Gospels. And one of them is at his baptism. And I hope you can see that all three members of the Trinity are there. The Father speaking from heaven, the Son being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. All three members of the Holy Trinity. Is the Trinity confusing? Yes. Do I fully grasp all its angles? No. Does the Bible teach it? Yes. Jesus is not throwing his voice like a ventriloquist up into the heavens. You are, let me turn around for a second. You are my beloved. No, 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 no. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son of the Father. Three in one, one in three, the nature of our God. You say, I don't understand it. Put it up on a chalkboard. Don't show me no Trinitarian triangle. Come on. It's a, it's a bit of a mystery, but let me just say this. Do you know how God spoke the universe into existence? Do you know how God holds it together by the word of his power right now? He's God. If he wants to be three and one and one and three, then that's who he is. And all three members of the Trinity are there. And Jesus would later send that same Holy Spirit upon his church in Acts chapter 2. And there would be tongues of fire and there was a visual manifestation and a sound manifestation and they were empowered. And he said, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the helper and he's going to come down like a dove and he's going to be your helper, your counselor. Maybe that's part of what the dove symbol means. He'll be gentle with you, but he'll give you the power that you need and he'll hover over you and come into you and empower you. In the early church, what was the the result of that, it was power and boldness and fruits and love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. The same gift of the Holy Spirit comes to us so that we can go out into our wildernesses and face our temptations and have the power of God. That's how good our God is. He gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to us as well. Uh, some seeing what the Father says of the Son here, combinations of Isaiah 42. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I will put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke 4 and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. Amen. 
The anointing of Jesus at the waters of the Jordan are like the anointing of the kings in the Old Testament. He didn't need the oil. The oil is simply a symbol. This is my king. This is the king I have installed. Psalm chapter 2. Many many see uh, an echo of Psalm 2. This is my king. I've installed him on Mount Zion. He is my beloved son. Do homage to the son because he's the one. Don't fight him. Don't reject him. Let him rule and lead your life. And so what happened at Jesus' baptism, as you see, in verse 16, uh, John sees the heavens open. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. Some see Genesis 1-2 there, the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters at the uh, time of creation. In Christian art, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, often the Holy Spirit is depicted in the form of a dove. That's the symbol of Calvary Chapel. If you've been in Calvary Chapels, it's the dove. And it's the picture of the Holy Spirit. And so this has been captured in Christian art. And and we don't know specifically why. Why the dove? Does it speak of gentleness? Does it speak of, back to Genesis 1-2. It's a bit of conjecture, but Mark 1-10 puts it this way. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening or parting or heaven being torn open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon Jesus. It includes ideas of identification and anointing. And Thomas Goodwin, the great Puritan theologian, president of Magdalen College, Oxford, explains, all apparitions that God at any time made of himself were not so much made to show to men what God in himself is in himself as to show how much he is affected toward us and declare what effects he will work in us. For a dove, you know, is the most meek and the most innocent of all birds without gall, without talons, having no fierceness in it, expressing nothing but love and friendship to its mate in all its carriages and mourning over its mate in all its distresses. And accordingly, a dove was a most fit emblem of the spirit that was poured out upon our Savior when he was just about to enter the work of our salvation. For as sweetly as doves do converse with doves, so may every sinner in Christ converse together. His ministry was characteristically gentle. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and in me you'll find rest for your souls. He said, the blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. One of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. He said to be as innocent as doves in Matthew 10, 16. And so the final verse reads this way. Behold, A voice out of the heavens, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the opposite of ancient Israel who were obstinate. He always did those things that pleased the Father. This is my Son. I love him. I want to show you one key verse that I think is important for your understanding of this. It's in the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Turn over with me to Acts chapter 10. Peter's in that Gentile house of Cornelius and he gets an opportunity to preach and the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon the listeners of the message. And as Peter begins to tell about Christ, he says these words, Acts 10.38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10.38, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good 
and healing who all, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And the evidence of that spirit-filled life was that he went around doing good. Back to Matthew and we'll finish it. Someone came up to me after first service and said, I I don't get the picture. How does Jesus fulfill all righteousness through his baptism? I think it's one part of it. It's one part of that retracing of the exodus. It's one part of what Jesus would do. But Jesus will also take the wrath of God at the cross. And this is insightful. And I think this is something to consider. This is from a commentator called France. And he says these words. Baptism symbolizes cleansing, but in Jesus' case, the opposite happened. He began to take on our sin, our dirt, all the scum of all the baptized. Whatever drop of water may have entered his mouth was his first taste of the cup of God's wrath, which he would drink in full measure at the cross. Jesus, the son and the servant, was baptized to fulfill all righteousness to carry out God's plan of sin substitution. And if and when you and I understand that, we then should understand there's only one response to such a king and such a kingdom. And that response is repentance. As we look at Jesus's holiness and yet his humility, that he would be baptized for us, our posture should be humility and holiness or what could be called repentance, since we are naturally neither humble nor holy. We've got to see this for what it is, and it's the beginning of Jesus's journey to the cross. It foreshadows the fact that he will die on the cross, go in to a tomb and resurrect from the dead. It is a foreshadowing of what he's about to do, a baptism that he will go through at the cross and through the resurrection. It's a picture going from both ends And heaven codifying or uh, saying, yes, this is the picture. This is the son that has come to die that we may live. And right after that baptism, he will go out into the wilderness and face the tempter and overcome him. And every time he will overcome him, the tempter will say, if you're the son of God, and he will say, it is written. The power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word We'll talk about this next Sunday, how we deal with temptation. We've got to follow in his footsteps. Because on the other side of the gospel is a life of victory for you. You don't have to wallow in defeat anymore. Your sins have been paid for in full. You now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're all imperfect. But now you can have heaven's power to do what you've been called to do. This is the key. So um, I texted my rabbi friend and I had heard a story where a Christian man was sitting with a Jewish friend and he was telling him about this baptism scene and he communicated the words, it's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And his Jewish friend seemed stunned. And his Jewish friend said, do you know that that's often what is said at the end of a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah ceremony? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased after they do all the readings and the memorizations and stuff. My rabbi friend says it's not the formal, uh, you know, plan that they follow every time. But he said he's heard that it has been said. 
And it's kind of stunned a, a Jewish man who was not a believer that that's what the father said of his son. And let me just say to all parents, because this is true of sons and daughters, if we can acknowledge our kids a little bit more publicly and speak blessing into their life, that's what I believe the father's doing. He's affirming Jesus, but he's also blessing him. If we could do a little bit more of that with our loved ones, this is my beloved friend. This is my beloved son or daughter. This is my beloved wife. This is my beloved friend. That, that, that's the stuff of Christian community. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael and the Walking Truth team and everyone at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California are excited to invite you to our upcoming Harvest Fest that we hold on October 31st each year. In fact, this is our 12th year doing it. This year, we will have a super fun carnival theme with game booths, decorated trunks for trunks and treats, food, and fun inflatables. Harvest Fest is on October 31st from 5.30 to 8.30 at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way. That's 1009 Arsenal Way. For questions and directions, call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. By the way, you could listen to Walk in Truth on this station every weekday at 4 a.m. and at 10.30 p.m. We also broadcast Sunday mornings at 7 o'clock. Tell a friend and thanks. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. I believe the Father's doing. He's affirming Jesus, but he's also blessing him. If we could do a little bit more of that with our loved ones, this is my beloved friend. This is my beloved son or daughter. This is my beloved wife. This is my beloved friend. That, that, that's the stuff of Christian community. And, and that's the stuff that sets us apart from this fractured, broken world. Let everything that we do be done in love. So final story. Yesterday, uh, uh, a few days back, I was at my mama's house and some family members were there and two Mormon missionaries came to the door. And uh, just so you know, Mormon missionaries are typically 18, 19 years old. They go on a two-year mission and uh, it's required of them to uh, hopefully one day be exalted as the God of their own planet and to receive worship. This is Mormon theology. And so my family members were there and they knocked on the door and they all thought it was a great plan to sick Pastor Michael on the Mormon missionaries. They're like, oh, glory, Pastor Michael, go, get him, get him. I was like. (laughs) In love. So I was laying on my mom's couch and I was like, nah, I'm off the clock. This is not normal business hours. Come on. And I knew it was going to be at least a 45-minute conversation. So they went away, and a couple family members left, and I felt some conviction. So I went out there, and they were still around the neighborhood, so I called them to myself, and uh, we began to dialogue. And, and, I, and I began to just ask some questions. I, I try to be kind and loving, and I just said, hey, can I ask you guys a question? Um, after I found out how long they had been out there, one a year, one a year and a half, they have to do a two-year mission. And 
I said, can I ask you a question? What, what would you hope, like if I bought what you were preaching and, and I said yes to whatever you're, you're uh, selling, as it were, what, what would be the outcome for me? And they said, oh, eternal life with your family forever. And I was like, no, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> My family's on the front row. <laughs> that was bad humor, I know. So I was like, so they talked about eternal marriage. You all know that Jesus said there's no marriage in the afterlife, right? So began to just ask a little bit more questions about them and, and you know, what they believed and stuff. And it became clear that they didn't know a whole lot. And I've studied their um, founders and stuff. And so I, as time went by, it became more and more clear that they didn't really know what the Bible was saying. And so I was trying to get this point across, and I, I hope you'll hear my heart here. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. I told them I respect how they make this commitment and, and all of that. But I just said, basically, so what you're telling me is that if you do all these things, that you'll get to this exalted state. And I began to talk about how there's only one God, how Joseph Smith taught that there was a savior for every planet, how he demoted God in the King Follett discourse, how the Bible emphatically says there's one God in three persons, that they're not going to make it no matter how much they do, how many doors they knock on, how long they stay committed to this so-called mission, they will not achieve deity. God has cornered the market on deity. And I want to tell you something. I began to look into the eyes of one of the young men and I felt kind of a combination of brokenness and compassion for him. Because if he stays in that movement, do you, do you know that man is irredeemably religious, not atheistic? The world's history is littered with false religion and people worshiping all kinds of crazy stuff. There's another Jesus and another gospel. This is what I tried to tell him. You've got to have the right God or you're not saved. You've got to know this Jesus who came on a saving mission and part of what he came to do is live a perfect life that you could never live die on that cross to take God's punishment, raised to defeat our mortal enemy, death itself. And he lives today to intercede for his people. Oh, this is the Jesus you must know. Would you bow? Father, thank you for sending your son. What a deep, profound, beautiful reality that Christ came came to those waters at the Jordan and said to John, you baptize me. No, Lord, I can't, I can't do that. No, I've come to fulfill all righteousness. I've come to do what is right. I've come to fill in all the gaps and mend up all the mistakes and cleanse my people's sin. I've come to save. And heaven said, yes, that's him. That's the beloved one. That's the son. Later, the father will say, listen to him. He's the truth. Oh, Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Would you keep your heart bowed if you've not met this Jesus? If this is not the Jesus you know, God the Son, if you maybe haven't known the love of the triune God for you, if you haven't realized that the gospel includes one who lived a perfect life, not just died for you, but was sinless, this is the one. 
And if you would repent of your sin and trust in him, he will declare you righteous in the sight of the Father. He will impute his righteousness to your account as a gift by faith. Righteousness, if there was a law that God could give to to fulfill righteousness, he would have given it, but the law is a tutor. It drives us to the foot of the cross. It drives us to the Messiah. We need his perfection. We need his righteousness. We need his the, the death of his sacrifice and his triumphant resurrection. We need it all. That's the gospel. Would you ask him into your life? Something like this, Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are and why you came. Thank you for entering into our pain, for becoming one of us, for going to that cross and knowing what you would suffer and what you would endure, for facing off with death and defeating it for living and interceding for your people even today. Oh God, I turn my life over to you. Be my king. Help me to live for things that will last. Maybe you're a a prodigal and you've been, the world has enraptured you and you, you, you are finding how bankrupt it actually is. Come back home. And Father, for this wonderful congregation, thank you for who they are. Thank you for the beautiful work you're doing. In so many lives here, we pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, a fresh empowering for the week ahead of us. Help us just to be on mission and to love those around us and do the simple, profound things well for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to The Baptism of the King, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the beautiful baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ has another aspect to it. The Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus would say in John 8, I always do those things that please my father. The spirit comes down on him. And um, you could see the, the persons of the Trinity at the baptism of Jesus Christ. The father speaking of the son from heaven, the spirit coming down on Jesus, and Jesus, of course, in the water of baptism. The Trinity is an interesting doctrine, and it can be hard and confusing to some. But God is majestic in his nature. He is one God in three eternal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And his baptism isn't the only place that this is seen in the Bible, but it is an interesting thing to think about in terms of, you can see the three persons of the Holy Trinity at his baptism. They're distinct, and yet they're one. Yes, it is a mystery, and it's hard to fully comprehend, but God's Beyond, beyond much of my finite comprehension, wouldn't you agree? He spoke the world into existence. He's majestic. He's God. 
no beginning, no end. I mean, think about some of the things that we know about God, even though we can't put it on a chalkboard to figure it all out. Well, that's God, and and that's who he is. His baptism is a wonderful picture of his triune nature and an affirmation that he came on a mission to save. Jesus is about to go out into the wilderness to be tempted and tested. He will further identify with us in his temptation and overcome it, of course. And we will get into that next time and try to make some good application about how we deal with our own temptation as we go through the wildernesses of this world. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. We're having our 12th annual Harvest Fest on October 31st. It's a Halloween alternative called The Greatest Joy on Earth, happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. It is tomorrow night from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. The kids can dress up. No scary costumes, please. There will be games, candy, music. We'll get the gospel out. It's all happening at Living Truth 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. For information and driving directions and to join us for this great event, go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com, and I'll see you here. God bless. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for a special teaching by Pastor Michael called The Origins of Halloween. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.